for a long time, I always saw that the dark places and like bad things that happen to you, they're, they're failures, but they're not. Like I think that there's something to be said about hard parts of your life that make you into a better person. You're listening to the You Might Be a Badass podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Todd, an average everyday girl with a nine to five job and a passion for storytelling. This podcast takes you behind the scenes in discovering truly inspiring personal success stories from all kinds of individuals and how they paved their way into becoming their own version of a badass. I speak with entrepreneurs, nine to fivers, stay-at-home moms, athletes, and everyone in between. My goal is to discover the different depths in which we define what it means to be successful. Success means something different to every person, and ultimately, if you're pursuing your passions and living life to the fullest, you too just might be a badass. If you have ever thought that being an influencer was just about looking cute and taking a bunch of photos, I hope you know by now that that's far from the truth, especially for the people who do the work and carry themselves as brands. The world of being an influencer obviously has evolved over time, as has anything in the social media world. So I wanted to sit down with someone who started in this space several years ago and has grown her following to over 100,000 people. Today, we drill down into some specifics. How did you get started? Has there ever been a campaign you regretted? How do you handle negativity in such a public and vulnerable space? These questions and so many more get answered by Melly Kay herself. Don't let her humble demeanor and nonchalance fool you. Her badassery may come naturally, but she knows how to take care of some damn business. And, spoiler alert, this was such a fun conversation for me because she also happens to be my sister-in-law. So let's jump in. Hi, Mel. Welcome. Thanks for joining me. Hi. Um, so for everybody who doesn't know who you are, tell us just a little bit of an intro, your name, what do you do? So my name is Mosa. I go by Melly K on Instagram and just on social media. Uh, and I'm a social media influencer, which sounds kind of weird, but I focus mostly on health and wellness and uh, yeah, fitness. Awesome. I feel like um, the term influencer has definitely evolved a lot over time. Yeah. It's obviously in such a different space currently, even in the year 2020. Um, but tell us about the story behind how you got started, um, and kind of the, the ways that you became an influencer. You know, to be quite honest, I got very lucky, uh, becoming a a social media influencer or my quote unquote, my own brand. Um, I was going through a really transitional period of my life about five or six years ago, and I was just constantly posting all of the time. This was before influencing was even really a big thing. Uh, And I was just posting about that transitional period, everything I was going through, uh, the things I was using in order to build confidence, which ended up being health and wellness and fitness. And I 
was approached by a bigger brand and they're like, Hey, we want to pay you to do this. And I was kind of shocked that they were going to pay me considering I didn't have a ton of followers or anything like that. But I realized that it was something that I could make money off of like on the side of my nine to five job. And I decided to kind of ramp that up even more. So at one point, was there kind of a conscious decision on how you were going to lean into that a little bit more? What, what did that look like? Uh, yeah, I think for me, it was at, at the beginning, you know, social media wasn't what it is now, I think. I think now a lot of things are curated and you have to you have to really plan out your social media posts and plan out the content that you'll you'll be giving to people as like, who are your followers. So at the time for me, it was just, I'm just going to post more about my life and post more things that are meaningful to me. Uh, and I think that that's what it was at the time. Uh, but it was definitely that moment where someone was like, hey, we want to pay you to do things that you love to do. And I was like, wow, can I really make money off of this? Um, so I think that that was like the, the light bulb moment where I was like, okay, I think if I try a little harder than at the time I had a ton of student loans and I was like, maybe this can be something that pays off all of my student loans and I can still work my nine to five job at the same time and I can make a extra money. Yeah. That's so cool. It's weird to look back on it all and how it has kind of evolved. Cause I do remember five or six or eight years ago, even it was such a weird entry point into the influencing industry. Like it was, it was such an infancy stage. Um, but I do want to talk about you juggling this, your influencing career, as well as your nine to five job. Um, Cause I do remember, you know, when you were and my brother were first dating and, and, even like leading up to your guys's wedding, you had like no time in your day to do anything that you enjoyed. And I know that you live and breathe by your Google calendar. And, <laughs> and so I, I just kind of want to talk about how you were able to balance a full-time job while also doing so much on the side for your, your, um, your influencer career. When it first started, quite honestly, it was just little side jobs here and there. So it wasn't a huge deal. Uh, as it progressed and I was getting bigger, bigger brands that were approaching me and then bigger jobs, um, especially when it came to doing like photo shoots or doing um, like big advertisements that would be in a lot of print, that's when it started to get really difficult because I would have to ask for time off or I would be requesting PTO for like a three-day summit that was from Tuesday to Thursday and in the influencing world like I was one of the like the one percent that was still working a nine-to-five job yeah. uh, so I'll say it was it was really really difficult and for me I come from a family that is really focused on school and like things that are very concrete jobs that are very concrete jobs that give you benefits and 401ks. Uh, so for me, it was really hard to let go of that world and let go of the every two weeks I'm getting a paycheck and every two weeks I know I'm getting paid. Uh, so when I signed a contract with Adidas for two years, 
I realized that I had to give something up because I couldn't do, I just I physically couldn't do both at the same time. Uh, and at that time, I had gone from full time to part time with my job. And they were really great about it, actually. Like they knew I was doing all of these things on the side and they thought it, because it had nothing to do with my actual career, they they thought it was so cool to like see me on ads or to see me go to France to go run. Um, so they were actually really supportive. Uh, they gave me benefits um, when I went part-time and they I was actually able to negotiate like a pretty good salary. I think people are really, or I mean, at least I know that I was really afraid to talk to them and ask them to go part-time, um, but they were, they were actually really understanding about it. That's awesome. Yeah, I think one of the coolest things for me and what I realized kind of your scale, obviously, you know, when your following count just kept increasing. Um, But I think for me, it was when I would see people go to different like cities and countries and see you posted in an Adidas store, which is so freaking cool. I think I remember you on the Nike website, like on the homepage. And I like yeah. showed all my coworkers. I was like, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was when Adam and I first started dating too, when I was on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember that uh, very vividly. I, sh- I gathered everyone around the computer. I was like, this is my brother's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, like I've done some really cool things, but it's so weird to think that like the, this is actually like my real life sometimes. Maybe let's talk about your, like kind of what some of your daily routines look like. As I alluded to, I know that you live and breathe by a schedule and a calendar. Um, and I know that your um, you set up your morning pretty consistently every day. Um, so walk us through what your typical morning routine looks like and you can you can talk about how it shifted maybe post pandemic but um what does that look like right now uh, well pre-pandemic i i mean i've always i've worked from home for a long time now uh even when i was working part-time at my nine to five i was i was working from home uh so pre-pandemic i was rushing out the door going to a 6 a.m class making sure i got my workout in and then i usually would meet a friend or um, somebody who who could work with me throughout the day. I'm one of those people who kind of needs structure and needs somebody, even if I don't have an office, I needed somebody around me who was also working. So I was working in a lot of um, like we work, rework like places. But after the pandemic, that shifted a lot. I'll be, I'll say that like for the first month or two or maybe even three, the pandemic has been so long now. Uh, it was hard. It was hard for me time? to like, time? I mean, I think it's been like five, five months now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the been six. five months now. Six. Oh yeah. It's September. Wow. Oh my gosh. I know it's crazy. I was just thinking the other day how it feels like the year just started and we're like in September, but I know we were, we were just in at Disney world. I know it, it feels like there, that time just paused and nothing happened in between. I wonder if we'll get a do-over. Like, can we just pick back up in March of 2020 again? I, I mean, that would be great. I feel like, like, like I said, like it took me months to kind of like figure out a schedule. I'm like, one week I would do really great, and then the following week I just like go back to 
not doing that great. Um, but I think I've figured it out now. Like I've, I've realized that I'm, I'm completely like a morning person and I have to wake up early in the morning, even if it doesn't mean like, it doesn't mean I'm productive. Like maybe those, all of those hours, but I get up, I get ready. I make sure that like, I'm still doing a routine like I used to do. Um, make a cup of coffee. I like to usually do something like kind of active in the morning. So I like to maybe get, get a walk in, like something low active where I can get my brain moving. And then I write down everything that I need to do for the day uh, first. And then I get like a real workout in. And then I do my work. So I realized that those steps leading up to that is what gets me productive in my day. And if I miss one of those, then I'm not productive that day. You're a little off. Yeah. <clears throat> what about a wind down or evening routine? Uh, I actually don't get to see Adam very much throughout the day. So I like to spend my nighttime with him. So we usually will cook and then we'll turn something. I mean, we're really simple people. We'll turn something on on the TV and then I go to bed at like a pretty early time, usually like nine or nine thirty. And at that point, everything is on D and D, and I just go to bed. I know it's really boring. <laughs> no, I mean I I like the simplicity too. I do the exact same thing basically every single day. Like I'll cook dinner, end up on the couch, and then watch the same TV show. <laughs> yeah. I think that we like stuff that like we have, like we've seen like a thousand times so that we don't have to think or, or like be that into it. Cause we were watching a show at one point and then we go to bed at like 11 o'clock and like, Oh my God, we need to stop watching the show. Yeah. Cause you had to see where the story went. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you've been working from home even prior to the pandemic. Um, do you have any tips or, um, you know, things that you find helpful for people? And I know that we're all six months into this, but I think <laughs> as you mentioned, like every week is a new week, right? So you never know something that you, something that you mentioned might be helpful for people even now, but any, any tips you can give people? Uh, I, I, I mean, like I said before, like I think one of the most important things for me is to write down every single thing that I have to do. And it's not the same for me to do it on the computer or to make like a, to like I used to use a, like a to-do list, like a computer to-do list, but nothing works better for me than pen to paper. I don't know why. I think it's the act of writing it and remembering you have to do it. And then the act of like checking it off, <laughs> like the satisfaction of checking it off your list. Uh, another thing I really like to do throughout the day is to make sure I go outside. And I think that more than anything else during the pandemic has been the most helpful. I, I think the first like month or maybe month, month or two, I wasn't going outside at all because that was when we were being told to like stay inside and not do anything and make sure that like you're at home at all times. And I think the warmth of the sun or just like seeing the sun outside makes a huge difference and can, can balance out your day. For sure. For sure. I take that for granted all the time. And when I was in my apartment, there would be days where I wouldn't go outside. Like, I know. I know. And I, I was getting like depressed and I didn't even know why. Not seeing the yeah. sun is a big deal. <laughs> for sure. I remember Anthony would call me during the middle of the day and he would be like, it's so hot out. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Someone posted that there's going to be a heat wave. And I was like, really? 
maybe I haven't gone outside enough <laughs> to know if it's going to be hot out there. I think it's supposed to be 107 this weekend. Oh my Ooh. god. Yeah, that's not great. You may have touched on this in the previous questions, but do you have any non-negotiables for the week? Uh, I think for me, I feel most myself when I get movement in my life. So I, I have to do some sort of movement, I think, every single day. Um, I also... I also try to make sure that I'm reading at least, and I know that sounds like weird and not has not doesn't have to do with fitness, but I want to make sure that I'm reading at least like five times out of the day, out of the week. Um, and it's something that I just started implementing. Like before, I would just read when I had free time because I didn't have any free time. But now that the pandemic happened and we have like a lot more free time, I'm not in my car listening to books anymore, which is what I used to do. Um, so I'm trying to make sure that I'm reading and I'm learning and I'm, I'm setting time for myself to make sure that I'm, I'm learning something new every single day. I like that. What are you reading right now? Uh, well, right now I'm reading a prenatal book, which probably we haven't gotten into, but it kind of like, <laughs> Precursor. Precursor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've been really getting really into reading those books and reading, uh, you know, what's going to happen to me throughout pregnancy, which kind of freaks me out. And then, um, the first year of like raising a kid, which I know nothing about, like, I, I really encourage anybody who like wants to become a parent <laughs> to probably read this stuff before I did. <laughs> um, cause I just think that there's no way to prepare for it, but yeah, that's what I'm reading right now. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Got to keep the mind active. <laughs> always, always be educating. <laughs> but you know, what's crazy to me. Like I thought about it and I'm like, my mom never read stuff like this. And like, I turned out no. fine. <laughs> and exactly. I'm like, I'm like, maybe sometimes we just like know too much. <laughs> yeah. If you, I feel like in a lot of time, a lot of things you have to, do it in order to learn. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. you're going to get mixed messages. If somebody has one opinion, somebody has another opinion and then you get all in your head on what's right. I know? know some, some things I read in here and I'm like gagging. I'm like, okay, I need to stop reading this. <laughs> <laughs> Something to look forward to. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll watch you first. Let's get into some more like details around what it means to be an influencer. Um, I think at a basic level, I would love to know how does it work, right? Like, do you reach out to a brand? Do they come to you? I'm sure there's a mixture of both. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, it is a mixture of both. Um, Brands will reach out to you. Um, I think that most of the time when brands reach out to you, that's when you can really like negotiate your price um, and negotiate like, yeah, negotiate your price and negotiate like the things that you want um, out, outside of price. So product or, or like being able to like go somewhere or visit their visit their like headquarters. There's a lot of things you can like negotiate when brands are reaching out to you. Um, but some, a lot of times, and honestly, like if I really love like a brand, like I'll reach out to them. And at that point, it's kind of harder to negotiate in the sense that like you're coming to them, but if you love their product enough, then like, obviously you'll post about it. But I, it's, it's nice that it works both ways because 
I'll say that like I've reached out, like I reached out to Normatac, which is a compression boot system. And I was like, Hey, like, I, I really like like your, your boot system. Like I, I want to, I want to be able to promote it on my page right now. I'm just like using it at a, like a, at a clinic, which is what I was doing. I was using class pass to, to use the boots and using kind of like my credits to use the boots. Um, and I want to post about it more because I love it so much, but like, is there, is there a way that you could send me like a pair or at least like send me like a, or, or at least like discount me. And they, they were like, yeah, we can send you a pair. And so they sent me a pair and then six months later they needed a photo shoot to be done and they reached out to me and then I got paid for that photo shoot. And because they reached out to me, I was able to like negotiate a price for how much I wanted to be paid for that photo shoot. Uh, so I like, like, yes, brands reach out to you, but like they all, sometimes brands don't know who the heck you are. So it's nice to like reach out to them and be like, Hey, I really love your product. And usually opportunities follow from there. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, and that's not like the first time that that's happened to me where like I've reached out to a brand and they were like, Hey, we have an opportunity to do this. So it's pretty cool. Like I'm all over their website now and, um, and on their social. And it was nice. I got free photos, which was great. Cause now I can just post them to my feed whenever I just need content. I have to post. Those boots are magic by the way. Yeah. I, I mean, and to put into perspective, these, these are not cheap boots. These are like $2,000 boots. So, um, yeah, for them to, to give me a pair and then subsequently <laughs> give me an opportunity to, do a photo shoot with them in Boulder, Colorado, like was really cool. So pricing, when you say that you have to negotiate pricing, obviously somebody's following has a big deal to do with that. But even starting out, how did you figure out how to position yourself of what a post is worth? Yeah, so that actually took me a while. And I think it's because I didn't have really any friends who who were also influencers. Um, and I, I, I don't think that I, I engulfed myself enough in it in the beginning to, to know what I should be pricing. Um, so in the beginning I was just honestly taking whatever people gave me and, um, that's never a good idea. <laughs> like in, in work, <laughs> in, in side jobs, like you should always like charge what you're worth. And then like, like they say, like add tax and add like. And, and at hours in. So, um, so for a while, I was just taking what they would give me. Now I've gotten a lot smarter where, um, if they offer something, I like, I have a set price for, for how much I charge for each thing. So like for an Instagram story post or for like a, um, for like an in-feed post, I charge a certain amount. And like with Instagram, it's kind of tough because like a lot of brands want to know what your reach is, like how many people are looking at your at your photo, how many like unique people are looking at your photo every single time. And the way that algorithm works, like sometimes that's not the same. Like I'll have a photo sometimes that like 80,000 people will see. And then one photo like really doesn't do well. And like, it'll be like a quarter of that. So um, I like to do mine more on, on engagement and like how many people are actually like buying the product that like you are selling and I have like numbers that have I've shown that like something that I've promoted got this many sales and so sometimes I'll be like hey that's a lot of money for what your for for what your audience is or what your um 
or how many people like, like your photo, but it's not about likes, right? It's about sales. And so the good thing is like, I've come up with those numbers and I have examples of it. And that's what I tell them. That's when I tell them like, Hey, these are the numbers that I got for this specific product. Like you have kind of a similar product. And I think that that's why I should get, I should be paid for this amount. Yeah. Gotta have the data to back it up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, what matters, I mean, they care about sales. They don't care about like how many people see the product. They care about like how many people are being converted and, and, and trusting you enough to, to buy the product that you're, that you're promoting. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like I was actually having this conversation yesterday, uh, at work. Do you feel like at where you are in terms of your following, do you see a difference now in, your engagement versus when you had less followers. And what I mean by that is we had an hypothesis that people with less followers, like a, a micro or a nano influencer, they may be more dedicated or invested in an influencer because they feel more tied to them or attached to them more at a local level. Obviously you are in a different sphere um, but wondering if you've noticed a difference at all. Um, I mean, I'll say with like micro influencers and, um, and people with like smaller followings, they are definitely, I, I don't want to say it's easier for them to be more engaged, but I think that they have a lot, maybe a lot more motivation to be engaged with people that are following them or who are, um, like commenting on their posts. So I'll, I, engagement comes with like you being engaged with other people. So I think, I think if you have a following of like, like, like Kylie Jenner, where you have like millions of people who are following, like, obviously there's going to be a lot of engagement, but even though I have a large following, like it, it, I don't get like a lot of engagement unless I'm also engaged. So like people don't see kind of like the background. I, I think that like, like I spend 30 to 40 minutes a day, just like answering DMS from people. I, I would say I get more DMS than I do like comments on my page. Um, which is unfortunate because brands can't see that. But, um, yeah, but those are the types of things that like get you somebody who feel connected to you and who feel like you're like a real person. Um, and I think that that's what the beauty of being an influencer is, is like, you're not a celebrity. Um, and it could be, I mean, that could be both good and a bad thing, but like, you're actually connected to these people and they feel like they know you, like people feel like they know Adam because he's on my page and, oh, I know. <laughs> uh, and and that's wild because he's not on my page every single day and so if they feel like they know Adam like how much more do they feel like they know me so to for, for me to have like dms that go unanswered or to um to not engage um engage with people that's what's going to make you look like you're not like you don't care about other people and and people follow you because you, they think that like you care about them which I mean, which I do, I do like, I, I mean, like I'm, I'm in this space because like I saw how much wellness and, um, wellness and fitness can bring you confidence into your life. And so like, I'm a big believer in it. And I hope that the people who do follow me, um, that really resonates with them and, and helps them to create a life like that. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by the expectation to engage with people? <sighs> yeah, but I think that that comes with like I mean, when you look at it, if it, it, it it's a job now, right? It's like it's a job that I, yeah. I love more than showing up to a nine to five job, but it's still a job, and I think that it can it can feel overwhelming at times. Um, 
especially everything that's come up during the pandemic and during Black Lives Matter, um, things got a little more intense, I think. Um, people had a lot more opinions mm-hmm. and a lot more people were, were reaching out and it, and it can feel really consuming. Um, and at that time, like, it's the same as like, it's the same as work. Like, instead of focusing on all of those things, you just go back to the things that like, are less anxious or bring less anxiety to your life, like, like yoga or, or doing a meditation for that day. Like, sometimes you just need to like hit pause and, and give yourself some self care. Yeah, I like that. What do you think some common misconceptions are about being an influencer? And I feel like there are a lot. <laughs> uh, I think people think that you just like post a photo and like hold a like brand or like a product and they're like, and people give you like X amount of dollars, which is so, so not true. Um, I think maybe, maybe like six years ago, that was the thing, but now brands like, and, and I think it's good now brands want you to know their brand. Like, and I even do this too. Like when I, um, like I'm, I'm doing a campaign for a supplement, um, in a couple of weeks. And I was like, I want to use a supplement first. Like I want to make sure my doctor says it's fine for me. Um, and that I can use this supplement and I want to use it for a couple of weeks. And then if I like it, then, then we can talk about like the post that we're going to do. Um, and I think brands want you to know who they are first so that you can intelligently speak about them. Um, they give you usually like prompts and, and then you have to like create content. So it's not like, oh, I just post this, like they give you, they give you prompts and then you have to do the creative on it and say like, this, this is what I want to post about. And, and you have to like explicitly explain what you're going to do. Like story one, I'm going to talk to the camera first. And I mean, and it's nice. It gives you direction for how you're going to shoot your content, but like, and then they, they have to go back and approve it. So they do like, you're usually talking to a PR company and then they have to, get that content approved and once that content is approved you have to actually like create the content which usually takes like time um like I have to get Adam to help like usually I would get like a photographer who would help me like for the day and I just like pay them to take all the content for me but when with the pandemic it's just like those things just don't happen anymore so I need make sure Adam has time to help me and then they have to approve it and sometimes they don't approve what you take they're like you have to retake this like I just did a campaign and they were like we don't like any of your shots I'm like great (laughs) I'm like fun they're like the the words are blurry I'm like the words are like this big like how are you gonna see that in a photo so like they they don't all the time like it so you have to go and reshoot it and I know that like I know that like getting ready and things like that are a part of everyone's day but to like have to get ready and change and like plan your outfit and make sure like all of those things are in order again to reshoot something sometimes is really annoying. <laughs> I don't know that getting ready is part of everyone saying now. Like I've, I've been straight living in workout clothes I, for months. <laughs> I know. I know. Me too. I mean, the good thing is that like with fitness, like at least like I don't need like that. I don't need like a ton of makeup. I mean, some influencers do, but I, I don't wear like a ton of makeup or anything, but uh, just like wash my hair. and <laughs> you, you have to like, you have to like really plan those things. And and you can't wear, like, if you're doing different campaigns, you have to, like, plan out each outfit. Like, it's, like, a whole day thing. Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of coordination, for sure, in thinking about all of those steps. We actually work with influencers 
a lot at work, or maybe not a lot, but on, on certain campaigns. And it's interesting to listen to your side of the funnel versus mine as the brand, right? Because I'll, I'll be the one who goes in and is like, mm, I don't know if I like <laughs> X aspects. And I do feel bad because I recognize it takes time. And especially like we were working with a person who was a mom recently. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, she has her kid in the post. Like that's a lot of coordination. Yeah. I need to give her a little <laughs> bit more grace. <laughs> I, I mean, and it is like for like right now when I, when I used to have a photographer who would just like help me take photos, like photographer knows like what angles to take, blah, blah. Like with Adam, yeah. like it's a little different. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Adam takes really great photos and like we've been doing fine, but usually and, and I, like I come up with photos that I want. So like I'll come up with like examples of a photo that I want. And then I have Adam take the photo first and I show him like, you think it yeah, of him, right? We got to create like a calendar one day of all of Adam's, all of Adam's oh like brand God, photos. <laughs> um, yes. And, and then Adam has to take the photo of it, and then he has to like take the photo of me doing that same exact thing. And so, I mean, it does take like a lot of time and a lot of coordination. Yeah. Seriously. That's yeah. So I can't funny. even imagine what it's like with like a kid these days like I'm I'm so tired all of the time and I can't even imagine like if you have to coordinate your kid in there yeah no that's why I I sort of had to <laughs> peel back a little bit I was like I can't even imagine having to deal with a three-year-old toddler who does wants nothing to do with this um and now they have to do it again <laughs> <laughs> I mean most brands are pretty nice but occasionally you'll get a brand that's just like <clears throat> oh your hand looks weird I'm like oh my god <laughs> like what one time wow. I literally had a brand that was like oh your third finger is blurry in this photo I'm like what yeah. <laughs> I'm like oh my god I, I'm like trying to go into photoshop and trying to like correct my finger I'm like <laughs> I'm like damn it I think I just needed to retake this photo because I guess my third finger is bl blurry <laughs> <laughs> they called you out <laughs> but it's just like I mean I get it they're they're also trying to like sell their product too so I understand but yeah yeah what what would you say is a campaign that you've done that you felt really proud of or something that you were really excited to to do um I don't know if this was like I can't well I guess it was a campaign but I uh just recently right before the pandemic I led 26 young girls to their first full marathon, um, which was a concept that I had, uh, I got an idea from when I was at another event. And for me, I know what run running opened, like I was, I was never really like active in my, my twenties, which is weird. Like I, I would go to the gym, like maybe like a couple times a week. Um, but not to the extent where I am now. And, um, I saw how adding running into my life completely changed my life. It, I was never a runner. Uh, so for me, it gave me the confidence to know that I can do anything that I want to do and I can do it at any age, at any time in my life. Uh, and to be able to give that to 26 other girls was probably one of my proudest moments, um, especially since like we came up with this concept, we planned this concept, we we, we created a training program for them. So like we saw them from start to finish and to see their faces like at that finish line, knowing that you have completely changed somebody's confidence and completely changed somebody's life. 
uh, was a really, really proud moment. Yeah, I remember going to that with you. It was like the weekend before, um, you know, everything shut down. But that was such an emotional like end party because yeah. all of those girls were so grateful yeah. to you for like giving them that opportunity. Wasn't there a um, like an interview process? Yeah, I mean, it. I, I'm making it sound like it was so simple, but we had a ton of girls apply and and then we interviewed them. And so first they had to go through an application period, which had like way too many questions. Like they were very awesome at answering those questions. And then we had to interview them. Um, I mean, it, this was through Adidas. So Adidas was completely supporting their, you know, 13 weeks leading up to, to a marathon. So Adidas provided gear for them. Adidas provided their bibs for them. They gave them a weekend in Palm Springs. So on, on the back end, yeah, yes, we planned all of that, but I mean, all of the work came from them. Like showing up is a big deal to every single one. <laughs> that was so special. Yeah, that was that was a really cool event. Yeah. Without naming any names, were there ever was there ever a brand or a campaign that you worked with that you didn't feel passionate about or that you felt was not wrong, but that didn't align with your values? Thankfully, like I haven't had anything like crazy where I was like, oh, I really regret that or I shouldn't have done that. Um, I've, I'll say that like there are times, like especially in the beginning where I was taking campaigns that like maybe I wasn't really using the product. Um, but you learn really quickly from that. You learn that like if once you start to be inauthentic, um, the people that follow you can really feel that. And, and you start to feel like a complete sellout. Like how much, like how much is it really worth to you to, to sell something that you're not using at all, or that doesn't fit into what you want yourself to look like as a brand. Um, and Adam has actually been really good at like keeping me in check with stuff like that. Sometimes I'll run things through him and he'll be like, should I do this? And he'll be like, yeah, you, you shouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, and I, I still remember like really early on, like when I was just like taking whatever campaign came to me and I was like, you can't, you can't do that. Like if you do stuff like that, then you start to look like this complete sellout. And I've seen, I've seen a lot of influencers do it where it's like, there's no way that you're using like five face washes in like one week. So, um, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Or every time and it's always beauty it's always like skincare or something I mean I can appreciate that like I'm always trying new things and sometimes like they don't work for me but it's like don't tell me that like this thing got rid of your acne when like you're using like a different no. face wash like or this is your favorite last week's was your favorite I mean, I mean, you start to look like this I mean there's a girl that I know who does that and it's like I don't believe anything she says anymore or anything that she loves like I, I mean I still like I know her personally so like I still like her as like a person but in my mind I'm like yeah. are you really using that or like are you just doing that for like a couple thousand dollars you know crazy um well speaking of authenticity how do you feel like you found that along the way? Obviously, that's really important to establish so that you get that trust. Um, but you are your own brand, right? So how do you feel like you established that or at least grew into it? As I know that it's probably been kind of a learning curve, I'm sure. Or maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I think um, in the beginning, I was... I was running like a ton of marathons and I was running a ton of half marathons and that kind of became my identity. 
um, even as I was running less of them, um, it became who I was and what I was, I was an endurance athlete. And, um, I think as time progressed, that kind of changed, uh, I'm not, I mean, obviously there's no marathons and, and half marathons anymore, but I realized that like, for me, running wasn't like a time or wasn't like a, it wasn't about getting PRs for me. It was about what running gave to me in order for me to improve as a person. And I think that that's the kind of brand that I wanted to be. Um, but for a while it was hard. It was hard because people expected me to be this runner who was running faster every single time. And, and that felt like a lot of pressure. It felt like a lot of pressure because like, I've never really been a runner and I was never really an endurance athlete. Like I was like, even when I was a swimmer in high school, like I was a sprinter and I've always been a sprinter. Um, so I think that there's a way to like shift yourself out of that. And I started, I started shifting more into like fitness and wellness because that was what I wanted to be a part of my life. And I think that that is what I evolved in and what I changed, changed into was somebody who runs, but also is, is focused on wellness is focused on fitness. Um, and it's not just all about running. Um, and I think you can easily shift that people are, I think people are more invested in like who you are as a person and like, what you can, what your content does to improve their life versus like, oh, this is what you are and this is what I want you to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember you got your yoga teaching license a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. I got certified because I was actually getting injured all of the time. And my physical therapist was like, you need to do yoga. And it completely, it completely changed things for me. i I would say I only practice yoga now like once or twice a week, but it's, it's enough to make sure that like, like for me, yoga isn't, and that's another thing too, is like, just because I got my yoga certification, people think that I'm this big yogi, but I'm not. It's just something to supplement in my life and to make sure that like when I'm doing strength training or when I'm doing, or, or when I'm running long, long distances that like my body is still capable of doing that by, by making sure I'm focusing on, on smaller movements and making sure that like I'm paying attention to the parts of my body that are aching or the parts of my body that are weak. And that's what yoga does, right? Like it, it calms the mind, which is like a great thing, but it also brings to focus like aches and pains that you don't feel when you're strength training and that you don't feel when you're running, like, especially when you're running, you never, you don't feel pain when you're running because you have so many endorphins that are running through you. Um, and I think that's what, what yoga is for me. Yeah. I realized the other day that I don't recover enough at all. Like I don't, I don't stretch before, I don't stretch after, and I'm starting to like realize as I get older, <laughs> like I'm, I'm getting some of those pains that I didn't have before when I was just like lifting every single day. So, um, and lifting, it's so like, easy to overdo it. Like, because you're only yeah. doing like a, a couple of repetitions, like, like nothing makes me more sore than lifting. Um, even, even run like compared to running, like nothing makes me more sore than lifting. Cause like I'm lifting like weights. I'm like, this feels fine. I can do this for like forever. And then the next day I like can't move my shoulders. So, <laughs> um, I think, I think yoga is, is really one of those things that's like beautiful to do one once or twice a week. Like, but even like, I think most people are not yogis. Like I know that there's like this whole cult culture with, with yoga. Um, but most people aren't yogis. Like they don't want to spend 45 minutes, one hour, like doing like slow movements, but it's so necessary to know what's, what in your body is aching. Cause you don't pay attention to it until you really have to. Yeah, totally. 
I might need you to hold me accountable and do some more <laughs> yoga throughout my week. <laughs> yeah, we should do them on um, Sundays or something. Yes, I would. I would really love that. I need it badly. <laughs> um, how do you handle negativity and criticism in such a open and vulnerable environment? You know, I would love to say that like, I'll handle it so well. And like, <laughs> those things don't affect me. Um, but I actually, Chrissy Teigen posted something the other day, how like, uh, there's like people who like steal your joy out of posting or like have something to say about everything um, with your post. And it really resonated with me because like, she's like a freaking millionaire. And like, she's so she's so successful, like her and her husband are so successful. And like, these things get to her. And I think uh, with negativity, it's important to acknowledge that like these things affect you and like you're a human and like maybe to like let it simmer in your body for a little bit and then like completely let it go. But just to be like, oh, that doesn't matter to me. Like, I don't think that that's realistic, nor do I think it's healthy. Like, I think, I think it's okay to like for things to like affect you as long as you don't stay in that space. Yeah. Don't let it simmer. Yeah. Something that you posted the other day that I really liked, uh, it said, now every time I witness a strong person, I want to know what dark did you encounter in your story? Mountains do not rise without earthquakes. So what are your earthquakes? Um, I mean, I would say actually like all of this started for me because I was just going through a really hard time in my life. Um, like yeah. I, I was still discovering who I was as a person. I mean, I was, I think for me, like I didn't have any like real friends in Los Angeles, which like I had lived in Los Angeles for quite a few years when I was going through this period of my life. And I think that for a long time, I always saw that the dark places and like bad things that happen to you are, are result, like they're, they're failures, but they're not like I think that there's something to be said about hard parts of your life that make you into a better person and, and a better version of yourself um and I think that like everybody needs adversity in their life in order to in order to rise above it I guess in order to become mountains um and I think had those dark dark things that happened in my life never happened like all of the wonderful things that I have now would have, would have never come into life. Um, so I try to remember that every single time, like something I'm having a really hard week or something really bad happens, or I think I'm not going to get through something that something really positive is going to come from this really bad situation. Um, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, now I have you in my family because of, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like I, I was in like probably the worst relationship of my life. Um, and people think that people think that like bad relationships and people who are bad for you are supposed to be the easiest to get over or supposed to be, um, there's this conception that like you should be over that because that person sucks. Um, but I sometimes think that like, that those things are like harder to get over because like you question, like you question, like, why did I let this person into my life? One. And then Two, like, why is this so hard for me to get over when this should be so easy to get over? So I think it's it's weird to say that like that like terrible person 
is the reason why like I've manifested such a great life now. But I think that there was a part of me that during that period of time where it's like, I never want to feel like this again. And I never did, which is great. Yeah. All of that different variants of emotion just led to different outsource of energy, which created your mountain. So I like that analogy. It's good. So we alluded to it a little earlier, (laughs) um, but you are pregnant, which is so exciting. (laughs) At the time of us recording, nobody knows this, but when it comes out, they all will. Um, I guess this is when I'll make my announcement. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Big debut. (laughs) Um, How do you plan to pivot when you become a mom? Are you looking to lean into that? What is that going to look like for you? I think it's going to be hard to not pivot into being a mom just because right now it's just hard for me to even post. Um, because I'm so tired all of the time, I think. And because it's become just like a big part of my like everyday life now. And I think that like a lot of my, my posts are posting about my everyday life. Um, so I think it'll be, I got him out of breath. (laughs) See, and that's another thing too. Like I'm out of breath. Like normally I'm going downstairs. Like that would not make me out of breath normally. (laughs) Being a mom is hard. I I know. And like first trimester is so hard. Like I don't know how people don't talk about it. And I don't know how people like just like get through like these first 13 weeks. Like, oh my God. (laughs) I have a new like respect (laughs) for moms. (laughs) Like even moms who are like really annoying, like I have a new respect for them. Like what, like these, like, I don't know how I'm going to get through these next like seven months or whatever. We talked about this yesterday, but you're like creating a heart right now. That is so wild. Your body is producing an organ. I mean, it's so cool that our bodies can do these things though, right? Like sometimes I'll tell Adam, like, isn't it crazy that this week, like, I'm creating a heart that has like four chambers now. Like the heart can do things on its own. Like I don't have to help it. And Alan's like, that's not crazy. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he'll say, he's like, that's what your body's supposed to do. I'm like, great. <laughs> oh my God. I hate him so much. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, I don't know why you think these things are so crazy. This is what your body's supposed to do. I'm like, oh my God. But I have a new respect for moms. And like, now I think I've become even more of like this, like women power. Like I, <laughs> Like, I've always, like, been, like, pretty, like, a feminist, but now I'm just, like, dude, moms deserve so much more credit than they deserve. Like, we should be complaining all the time because, like, this is not easy. (laughs) Women run the world. I'm telling you, man. Yeah. It's... I, like, I tell Adam all the time. We do everything. I tell Adam all the time, like, you cannot do what I'm doing right now. (laughs) No. No. Yeah. And, um, I, like, I think it's crazy, too, like, how, like, women just, like, don't get credit for for a lot of the things that we do, like even just creating a human, like, I'm like, how do people not think that this is amazing? Like, and how do people think that it's just like easy? Like, it's just something your body is supposed to be doing. (laughs) It is, it is super fascinating. Like I, I can't get over the details of the fact that you're producing a heart, you know what I mean? Like you're producing an eyeball, you're producing a different thing each week that then magically creates a baby at the end of nine months. Like (laughs) it's not a spork, you know? (laughs) (laughs) This week, like, I think I'm making like fingernails and like, that's crazy. (laughs) Ah, oh my gosh. 
Yeah, it's so wild. It's so wild. Um, okay, so before we conclude, I have two final questions for you. Um, what would you say to somebody who is just getting started out and wants to become an influencer right now? Uh, I have a lot of people who tell me that like, hey, you are really, I mean, and and I, I completely agree with them that like, I'm really lucky that I got into the space like before it like kind of blew up and became this big thing. But I've seen a lot of influencers do it. Like I've seen people who are just consistently posting all the time and consistently producing content that people want to see um, who have gone from like 5,000 followers to 50,000 followers. And I think with all of it, it's like people aren't going to see your content if you never put it out there. And people aren't going to resonate with your posts if you never post anything. Um, so I would just say to just keep trying. Like, I think that there the space is really big. I mean, I follow over a thousand accounts, so the space is really big and it's it, it's infinite. And and I think that with time and with a good purpose, like you can be and do anything you want to be, even if you're a little late to the game. I like that. And then lastly, something that I like to ask everybody, because I recognize that this word means something different to every single one of us. Um, but what does success mean to you? So success means to me that I'm always learning. And I think that that goes back to what I was talking about, how I'm trying to read more and how I'm trying to focus on, on making sure that you know every week, every day that I'm learning something new. And I think that if we can acknowledge that we're always learning and we're always becoming this, you know, the slightly better version of ourselves every single day, that's what success is, right? So people see success as like, oh, I was at like all the Adidas stores for, for like a whole, for like a whole winter or fall season. But that's not really success, right? It was all of those, all those posts that led up to me being a part of that opportunity that put me in every single store. So I think it's like the daily choices that we make and the the daily things that we learn that like lead up to that bigger picture. I love that. Um, before we conclude, tell us where we can find you, social, anything like that. Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm at Melly K, M-E-L-L-I-E-C-A-Y. And then I also have a website, which I, which by the time I hit, finished my first trimester, like I'm hoping that I have some, some nice mom movement content up there. And that's uh, MellyK.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining with me at, yeah. or talking with me rather at oh, wow. 7 a.m. Really I know. This was really fun, Rach. We yeah. should do this again in like a year. Yeah, we'll do goes. a we'll do a where is she now? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, and I'll have like a screaming kid in the background. Perfect. I'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for today. Don't forget to follow along for more on Instagram at you might be a badass podcast and let me know your thoughts about today's show. And I'll see you again, same time, same place next week.